Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Rise and shine, sports investors. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. It is Wednesday, May 27th. Let's cock-a-doodle do it right here on the early line, giving you the edge on Sports Grid. I'm Dane Martinez. He's Kevin Walsh, and that's what we do. We put the fun in functional sports content, helping you get a little bit of extra cash as well as we go into summer. I mean, Kevin, we are now kind of like unofficially, officially in summer, and we continue to be in a place where we're hearing more and more details about how sports are coming back, right? We've talked about Major League Baseball, their proposal, their back and forth, big Mm -hmm. week for them and their kind of collective bargaining to meet their timelines, you know, to be able to have a spring training, have an opening day at the beginning of July. I continue to think July 4th on our nation's birthday is when the national pastime will again kick off. We're hearing proposals in the NHL. 2014 tournament, MLS round robin tournament, Major League Baseball division realignment. We're also starting to hear a little bit of proposals as it comes to the NBA. We've been thinking about will there be regular season games or not? Will they fast forward right to the playoffs? Well, there's another kind of proposal that is picking up some steam, Kevin. It's the idea of instead of having eight in the East, eight, one through eight in the East, one through eight in the West, let's line up all 16 playoff teams yep. by record, right, and seed them one through 16. I mean, if they're going to all be in the same damn bubble anyway, right, you know, and, and I have a lot of questions about this. You know, teams in the East probably got their record by, you know, an unbalanced schedule. If the the West is, say, a better conference, what does that mean for, like, the ninth seed in the West? I have a ton of, like, there's things I like about it, but I've got some issues, too. What is your knee-jerk reaction to this kind of proposal if they went 1 through 16 for the NBA playoffs? Yeah, I've always kind of thought that the idea, while I understood where people were coming from on it, I think then you have to rearrange the schedule. It doesn't make sense to take, you know... This is all the schedule that already happened, so they can't rearrange... 100%. I think now the reason that they uh, were doing this, as I heard Brian Windhorst on ESPN talking about and reporting on the situation, is this is something that the league has often considered um, and somewhat wanted to try and implement in some possible scenario... And one of the the main holdups is not maybe the scheduling issues that I may have um, or whatever maybe issues that you have. It's been the travel, right? It's very difficult for a first-round matchup for, you know, one of the first-round matchups right. in this proposal, uh, I believe, is Lakers-Nets in round yeah, one. That's cross-country, yeah, cross-country I mean, travel, sure. That's, that's a pain. Absolutely. But you now have the chance to try this out because everybody's in the same right. spot. So I think right there, just hearing that, Dane, is one of those things Look, you've always wanted to try it out, and you really have your best opportunity right now where, one, everybody's together, and two, everyone's like, yeah, sure, whatever, go for it. I I would say it's more likely than not that we do get a 1 through 16. Really? Interesting. I don't know if I agree with you, and I'll tell you why. I do think this is, you know, the time to tinker. Mm -hmm. I'm completely with you on that, Kevin. You know, and we're seeing this across sports. Right. Oh, we're going to implement the fourth and 15 instead of the onside kick. Oh, we're going to realign divisions and, you know, have the DH universally big time tinkering. This is the year where you can kind of like make the excuse to go ahead and do that. And I understand that. Um, I don't think you could do this in the middle of a season. Okay, I understand, like, maybe they like this, and because of this, they'll realize, oh, this is the way to do the playoffs, and they may do it for next year. I find it hard to believe that midstream, with an unbalanced schedule, they would implement this. And, and, but I got to admit, Kevin, maybe it's because I'm a little selfish. Um, mm-hmm. Can I ask you, um, what do I do with my futures bets to win the Eastern Conference if this happens? 
<laughs> Remember, we were talking about this. I got the Miami Heat. I got the Boston Celtics to win the yeah. Eastern Conference. Actually, after this break with COVID, I feel, and we've talked this out, I feel a little bit better about the Bucks, for example, not getting through the East after this um, after this pause. That's just me. Maybe I'm crazy for thinking mm -hmm. so. Yeah, I feel like I have got two of the correct horses in the East. But if they go this way, what happens to all my uh, conference futures bets, Kevin? Yeah, no, I mean, they probably go to the wayside. And I that's think that's smart. always, yeah, no, I mean, it, it does. Like, it's, it'd be very difficult for them to just be like, okay, you'll get it if the Heat are in the finals. Right, if they're one of the teams that make it through. Would that be the way they would do it? I mean, that's like, you tell me as someone who made the bet, would you be like, fair is fair? Like, I don't know if you would feel the same way because they I might mean, have to play. My Heat would be the eighth seed against the Thunder. That's okay for me. And then, to be honest, it's interesting. In the Heat specifically, right? Because they'd yeah. be the eighth seed. They'd face the Thunder. Fine. I'd have, they'd have to get past the first round matchup anyway. Yeah. Ironically... Because they're the eighth seed, if they got through, they would see the Bucks yeah. in the next round, which is exactly what they would do, you know, one through four in the East. So that's interesting. The Celtics would have been third in the East, right? They are fifth here in this one. And ironically, I don't know if it helps them. I don't like the way it plays out for the Celtics. They interestingly enough, would play the 76ers. Exactly the matchup they would have if it were the East, right? We did this once before. But then, in the second round, if it was just the East, Kevin, they would see Toronto, right? Potentially, right? With no upsets, if it was chalky, right? In a two versus three. And I feel like I'd be happy with an emerging Jason Tatum in that series, okay? And everyone respects Toronto, absolutely. But, you know, if I'm... I'm betting with Boston. This is where I think I would make hay there. In this format, the five overall seed of Boston in the second round would see the four overall seed, yeah. which happens to be the Los Angeles Clippers. So I think that's a net negative for the Celtics. I think it's about the same for the Heat. But, you know, they would just return these as a no bet. Imagine the handle that the... Uh, books have, not only on things like I'm talking about conference bets, but on the NBA champion as well. I wonder, Kevin, truly, if they went 1 through 16, I know like my futures conference bets would kind of be returned, right? No bets, probably. I got to think they'd have to do the same thing with the championship bet. Because even though they would crown a champion, it would be in a completely different way. And that's really, really weird. Let's say you were betting, you know, on the San Francisco 49ers to win the Super Bowl last year. And then all of a sudden they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead of playing football, right, we're going to have it be that, you know, it's a field goal kicking contest. I mean, it's not as dramatic as that, but I don't know if it's even fidelity of a normal tournament for these futures bets. I even think for the if that's your I, like, if that's your thought process, then basically they could refund them right now because it's not going to be normal. There's they're playing, we're playing a neutral site. Like, we're, but I also will say this: one of the things I've come to uh, realize, right, is that sports books know way more sometimes than what we know. Of course, and if you've noticed. FanDuel has not ever had conference odds up since the shutdown. Since the shutdown. They've no. only had those NBA title odds up. And I think that as well can speak some volumes to potentially what they are expecting. I, I, I think, too, like the overarching point of like not having a conference winner to me is one that is another problem I have kind of with this issue. I think another thing, though, working in the favor of them pushing this through is if I'm not mistaken, the 16 teams that would make this, you know, one through 16 yeah. format are still the 16 teams that are supposed to be in the playoffs. Right. Like it's not a situation where the Blazers are jumping in for the Magic. Oh, because if the ninth in the West was better than the eighth, right. We're not just taking the 16 best records. We're taking the eight of the East and the eight of the West. Well, I think we are taking the 16 best records. Like that's the, that's why it works out really nicely for them is the top eight teams in each conference are the 16 best Happen records. Happen to be NBA. the best 16 records. Yes. So the ninth seed in the West is not better than the eighth seed in the East. No. So that's why this works out. Interesting. I, I, I think that works out pretty pretty nice. Yeah, I mean, that's nice. You know, that's nice. The other thing, I'm, I'm intrigued, and I know I want to get your thoughts. I was just talking about how it works out for some of my Eastern Conference futures bets. I think this turns out nice for the Toronto Raptors, if you want to know the truth. Um, they get... They would be the three seed overall, okay? 
They get the Grizz, which, by the way, they were kind of hot. I would say that as the 14 seed. But then in the second round, and this is where I think it's interesting, they would get the winner of Nuggets versus Pacers. And I don't think either one of those teams would be a real threat to the Raptors, unlike any of the other big seeds where in that second round, I think it's a big problem, okay? Like one versus eight even, there's my heat in there. Clippers, Celtics, Lakers. The Lakers would maybe see the Jazz or the Rockets, in my opinion. And remember, I think the Rockets are very live. In the second round, it would be Raptors and, like, Nuggets. Of those, if it was chalky, I think the Raptors would get the uh, best draw of the big boys, in my opinion, with this kind of rejiggering of the seeds. What do you think? Well, yeah, I think I think Denver and Boston are comparable, right? But at least for them, right, it, it is it is somewhat kind of staying in line. You know, for the Lakers going from a 4-5 Jazz Thunder to a potential Rockets matchup, right. that is an, an uptick. However, there's the yeah. other side of the coin where they are now avoiding the Clippers and the Bucks. Until what would true. be the NBA if finals. If they get through, right, if they get through in, like, the overall semifinals, mm-hmm. the draw would be the Raptors, right? And I guess the way we've talked about it, right, in the championship market, Kevin, there are three teams that are above, above everybody else, right? The two LA teams and the Bucks. So the fact that in this draw, right, I think what you're saying is the, uh, the Clippers – would be the four seed seeing the Bucks. It's the Lakers who kind of get that odd man out in the semis if it were chalk, that being the Raptors. So I guess maybe if you look at it at that far along in the tournament, if the chalk holds for the semifinals and the final four, you would want to see the Raptors in the I final think, four and the Lakers get to. Yeah, I think what you could, what could potentially argue here, Dane, is that the Lakers then, if they were to seed it this way, should move to the favorites or at least the same exact odds as the Bucks. Yeah. Because I think part of the value has oh, been yeah. the idea that the Lakers were going to have to play the Clippers and vice versa. Whereas, with all due respect to the Raptors, I mean, you know, this, I'm sure for some people, is jarring that the Raptors have a better record than Kawhi's team. But that's I, that's kind of been the scenario. With that being said, there still is something just to the overall roster talent that the Clippers, the Lakers, and the Bucks seemingly do have over the Toronto Raptors, the Boston Celtics, and teams of sure. uh, of that ilk. I definitely would agree to you. Like the team that I would say is the most hard done by is not your Boston Celtics. <laughs> you have a bet on because they still have to play Philly. Like still them get not Philly. getting and out. And then the Clippers Philly would be there. And then getting the Clippers. And that's a then tough road to the Bucks. Yeah. I mean, that's a very that's tough. Road. Like they they couldn't fight. Like because to me, the, that Sixers matchup is the one that they should hope to avoid. And the fact that still in this reconfigured situation, right, they still, they draw, still the same draw that. Thing. And wind up getting the Clippers then in the second round. It is interesting. Mm-hmm. Something we will definitely keep our eye in. Remember, I keep on saying the devil is in the details. And now it seems like every league is starting to get to that point. So we're going to learn a lot this week. One league that is going on strong, though, is Bundesliga. There's more matches for us to discuss out there in Germany. We'll do that when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line here on SportsGrid, giving you the edge, putting the fun in functional sports content. That's what we do here every morning, Monday through Friday, 7 to 9 a.m. on SportsGrid. We start the day off giving you the edge, and it don't stop. That's what we do here on SportsGrid. It don't matter. We're, we're reimagining the NBA playoffs because these proposals are out there uh, but we turn our attention now, Kevin, to Bundesliga, kind of like one of our adopted new leagues, right? We did a little yeah. KPO action, right? We talked about soccer in Belarus. But now one of the premier leagues on the planet mm-hmm. has gotten that going. It is Bundesliga. We've been talking about it. And, Kevin, one of the things you have been saying as a trend so mu- so far when we've come on back is the idea of uh, road favorites, right? Yeah. Road favorites are kind of... Uh, Doing it, you know, but I don't <laughs> see any road favorites on tomorrow's slate, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the closest for me would be kind of a couple of games where 
you know, it's 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 pretty close, I guess, right? The Dusseldorf game and the Hoffenheim game as well. It looks like yeah. that would be the closest on this slate to a road favorite. Uh, are you going to lay these guys on the road? Because maybe it's starting to realize with no fans in the stands, maybe that home pitch advantage, especially out there with the hooliganism, is not, you know, is a real advantage. And you take that away from the home team. Yeah, it, it's really, really fascinating to try and just figure out how much this home field advantage matters, right? And I think yeah. one of the ideas is, you know, we, we've talked about it, right? Like the best gamblers in the world bet numbers, not teams. Right. Um, and one of the things that I, I would probably figure is we're seeing that potentially the idea of being home doesn't matter as much. Right now, we've just talked about the NBA playoffs. Will that be something that necessarily carries over it's a it, those are legitimately neutral site games so i don't think there's going to be any home road pricing that would go into it so maybe not but i think for when we get to maybe major league baseball i think that is something to keep in mind and if by chance we got to the football season and there are still no fans which some would say is plausible maybe another thing that we can kind of uh Think's keep about, our yeah. tabs on there is one road team that's specifically interesting okay. and it is hertha berlin who is traveling to leipzig now the, I think I would be... Leipzig is the biggest favorite on the board. They are. And to some what are they, degree, third in the, on the table? Third or fourth in the table? Yeah, somewhere somewhere in that range. Right. And they dropped home points in the first restart game. Okay, only getting the draw against Freeburg, and they probably should have been able to come away with three had they got off to a better start. Their response was traveling to, I believe it was it was Frankfurt or Mainz, um, and they went five nothing. They look incredible. Great. But then you look at Hertha Berlin, and they had a road game against Hoffenheim that they win 3 nothing. Then they played Union, and they won 4 nothing. Mm. And they played Friday, opposed to Leipzig, who played Sunday. Right. So that's a genuine rest advantage. Yeah. We talked about this being the first uh, kind of short Mid-week, week set yeah. of Bundesliga games. That's a considerable – like, this isn't a Saturday-Sunday. This is a Friday versus Sunday matchup here. It's like the mini buy. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's actually like a really, really good way to put it. With that being said, I don't have what it takes mm. to pull the trigger on Hertha Berlin. But for me, for them to have seven goals in their first games back, to see what Leipzig was able to do in that return game, I think that the over three and a half here is mm. a great play. When they played this game earlier on in the season, it was a 4-2 game. Both these teams can bring the goals, no problem. I think over three and a half in this matchup is a really, really nice play. And if I'm not mistaken, all the over three and a halfs this week uh, are, are plus money. So that's one of my first plays on the board that I do quite like. Good. That's exactly where I was going to go next with you, Kevin. You know, I'm trying to read the tea leaves here, understand the trends mm -hmm. from the, what, two or three match days that we have had so far back in Bundesliga. You've mentioned the idea of the road favorite being one, right? And it stands to reason. No fans in the stands. And that's something that has hit for us, you know, at over a 60% clip. And remember, the best bettors, the best sports investors in the world are just trying to be right, like 56, 55% of the time. That'll get you profitable, right? So, we look for trends that have that kind of level. Now, another thing that we have seen is goals are being scored. Sure. Kevin. These overs are hitting. I don't know if it's tired legs. You know, the defense is not back in game shape after the pause of the pandemic. If it's the idea of, you know, no fans in the stands or something like that. I'm not sure exactly why, but it has, you know, come in a lot over goals, over two and a half higher scoring games than we may usually see. Is there a specific game? I know you said all the three and a halfs are plus money. Is mm. there a specific game where you think are more ripe than others for offense on this slate? Yeah, there are two games specifically where the total really grabbed my attention. Okay. Uh, Union Berlin versus Mainz is really interesting. Union is on the back of that 4 nothing defeat at the hands right. of Bertha playing on the Friday. Mainz uh, did lose that game 5 nothing to Leipzig. And the interesting thing there is, right, you have between those two games nine total goals. But all they all these teams did was concede. They didn't score any of the goals. <laughs> so the over three and a half uh, at the FanDuel Sportsbook is around 200 or so. That's very, very juicy. And I know it's kind of this, you know, give and take here, right? Is it the, is it the offense? Is it the defense? That kind of price on an over three and a half, though, Dane, to me, I think is worth the look. I also think if hmm. you wanted to roll with a, you know, rest advantage for a home team in Union Berlin here, I think that that's more than an understandable play. Dusseldorf versus Schalke is 
very interesting because exactly. we usually talk about how you know you get your, your plus money for over three and a half. Yeah. The favorite for over under two and a half is actually the under. Schalke hasn't scored since mm. we've returned. And it's just been this disaster, really, kind of since they, you know, they've they've come back. They've conceded, though, seven goals in that time. Uh, Dusseldorf is, you know, on the back of a 2-2 draw. Their first game was right. against well, Paderborn. back big time in that one. I remember they yes. were up 2-0, and then Cole came back at the very end. I, at least one, if not both goals, at the death in extra time. No, yeah, it was very, very late. It was a 2-2 draw. Their first game was a nil-nil draw against Paderborn. Hmm. This is one of these interesting games to me. Now, this is one you two, you talked about the road favorites here, right? Right. Where they're just kind of the same price. Like, yeah, so yeah I noticed that. Essentially a, a, a pick them here. So, so what, uh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I'm, I'm glad that I don't have to back Schalke because I don't want to. Because if they were literally just five cents less, then they become a road favorite. Right. And they become, you know, a team that I automatically have yeah. to turn my attention to. I think there, there are two ways to play this, though, Dane, and they're very contradicting. Like, I'm aware okay. of what I'm saying here. But I think the fact that you can go over two and a half goals at, like, a pretty much even money price is very attractive because three goals is pretty much your average. And these are two teams that, you know, will concede, can concede goals. I also think the plus 940 for this game to be goalless is also not crazy with Schalke Mm. who hasn't scored, and we've already seen Dusseldorf play to a nil-nil draw. If I had to pick one of the two, I'd rather go with the over two and a half because, again, I think you're getting a nice value play here. Right, so you're in the same – on one side of your mouth, you're saying over two and a half. On the other side of your mouth, you're saying scoreless draw. Yeah, no, yeah. I I know how how ridiculous (laughs) that sounds. I I totally, totally do. And I know that that leads to this being a – two goal or one goal game. Sure. I, I, I totally understand that that's the end result, but I do think that, that it is one of the more fascinating games. And I'd rather take a shot on what is the first time I've seen the favorite be two and a half and go against the grain on it and see if three goals comes and it cashes us at about flat, a flat price. Okay. Now, and that's fair enough. You know, there's multiple ways to approach this, especially in soccer. And that's my final question for you on this in soccer. There's that draw bet. Yeah, and 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 you know I've I've asked you about it a couple of times. I pushed Martino on it once. When I see a matchup like this, the Schalke Dusseldorf, right, and both sides, you know, one side's plus one sixty five, the other's plus one seventy. To your point, it's basically a coin flip, right? So in a game that is basically a coin flip, and because the draw is so much of a live. Op- option in a way that most American fans who follow the major sports don't really think about. Why don't I just bet the draw at plus 230, Kevin? You know, I don't understand it. Like, this seems to me to be the exact type of game where the draw is live, and it seems like a decent value at plus 230. So I ask you a two-point question. One, is the draw a live bet here? And two, if not, can you give me a little advice on what are you ever looking for, for the draw to be live? Like, what are the conditions where the draw would be a decent game? Is it, you know, you've talked about it, like, that that team a little bit higher in the table, but going on the road, you know, to a, a quality team? Like, I got to imagine, and, you know, I'm, I'm being naive here on some level, but I got to imagine there's places where the draw is a great bet. I always see it at more than two to one, and yeah. it sounds like, you know, this game, these teams look even. I, I think it's I think it's an adjustment for you know someone like myself. I think for a lot of people who are kind of starting to bet soccer a lot more, right? The idea is pick a winner, okay? And if you can't pick a winner, what do you got for the total? And this is this weird thing though, Dane, right? Where it's like I can't pick a winner. Maybe that's the bet. Maybe the bet then is there is no winner. And if there was ever a time to bet a draw, if there was ever a time, it's one a game where I said under no goals that's a draw inherently sure is <laughs> but also it's the same odds for them to win like this is pretty much right dane has to be the best odds than you'll get at it the lowest odds you would get on a draw and right. it's on the like slate is at least. and that's it's, what i was looking at right because yeah. you were talking about i was looking at 
what is the shortest draw price on the slate? Mm -hmm. Okay, so with Leipzig, you know, they're a heavy favorite, right? So the draw is all the way at plus 460. Okay, these other ones, the draw is more, you know, in line. And I'm seeing, because the difference on Schalke and Dusseldorf, we're literally talking about plus 165 and plus 170. To me, that's five cents. That's almost like minus 110 on both sides, right? So to me... And I see the shortest price for the draw. It makes me wonder if I want to throw a couple shekels on Dusseldorf Shock to draw, you know, and, and for you, hopefully, uh, zero, zero <laughs> or two, two. A one, one draw would piss you off right now, Kevin. Yeah, oh, God. One, one draws. This, and that's what it'll be, right? Yeah, like, right that's the whammy up. for you. Now, we've yeah. discussed this for like 10 minutes. I'm like, hey, how about the draw? You're like, nah. Goalless or over two and a half. Yeah, right. One, one is your whammy right now for this game. But you know what? I think it's in play. And like so and I think that's the thing. I don't know if I will ever really find myself betting a draw. Part of it might just be because it'll feel so weird. The idea that it's like, okay, we're winning right now, nobody do anything. Right. And then that first goal goes in and then it's like now All right. Equalizer, yeah. Now we need the other one. And if at any point it's two nothing, you're like, I can't do this. Now that you did mention it, right? It was the Dusseldorf game was it sure was two nil Dusseldorf's way, and they sure. gave it back because, you know, that's what they do. I, I think it's one of these weird games, Dane, that is – I mean, it's probably the least sexy game on the card. But if you look at it enough, it's so weird. You're like, yeah, I'm weirdly excited for Dusseldorf Schalke. And it's like, wow, this is this is where we are now. All right. There you get some midweek plays from Kevin. They're up on the board right now. When we come back on the early line, we switch gears – Turn our attention to football and see where there's some uh, where there's some production to be had. We'll talk about that when we come back. It's the early line right here on SportsGrid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back into the early line on Sports Grid. I'm Dane. He's Kevin. And we're talking about Bundesliga. We talked about a few of the games on the slate for this afternoon. Kevin, there's a couple of more I want to touch on. You know, we had some of your plays up earlier. But just mm-hmm. to close it out, in the hoffenheim Cole game, what are you looking for? Yeah, Hoffenheim, we've tried twice. We've uh, we've struck out twice. We thought maybe there'd be yeah. no fans could benefit them. They lose at home 3-0. Then they're playing Paderborn. They're the one road favorite that didn't win. I have to come back to them here, though, again, at home. Cone has drawn both games, both of those games to bottom four teams. Hoffenheim at around a, a plus 140, plus 150 price uh, over at the FanDuel Sportsbook, I think, is worth the play. All right, fair enough. You mentioned that Hoffenheim was the one road uh, favorite that did not win. I believe it was because they tied Paderborn. Yes. Uh, 1-1, and it's interesting. One of our uh, producers, Steve, you know, follows it, and he was telling me he likes this scrappy squad Paderborn. Okay, they just got promoted to the main league, that they don't have the talent, but that they, you know, are scrappy and they fight, fight, fight. And last week, I was like, oh, this is a good spot where uh, Hoffenheim's coming in, but this team is scrappy. I was like, huh? Sounds like a draw to me. Maybe I'll bet the draw. (laughs) And it was a 1-1 draw. Paderborn now has Osberg. What do you think in that game? Yeah, so Paderborn is actually the bottom of the league, and they've right. gotten off to a decent start here for them because they didn't lose the first two games. They've gotten draws in both points, of them. Hey. But they have not been able to have three straight games where they did not suffer nice. defeat, and they're going up against an Augsburg team. To me, that is a bit undervalued. We've mentioned that opening game against Wolfsburg where they yeah. were unlucky to see that 90th-minute winner go in. Uh, they then responded with a nice win uh, against Schalke, 3-0 uh, away as well. So to me, Augsburg... At around a minus 110 price uh, over at the FanDuel Sportsbook against, again, bottom of the league Paderborn at home, I think is very, very generous and, and one that I'm, uh, I'm pretty, pretty high on. All right, fair enough. So, listen, that's what we're trying to do here. Make you cash on live sports, whether it's in America or otherwise. We even talked about, Kevin, remember, um, the Homeland Security has now accepted uh, athletes are coming in. So it could be anywhere, any athlete. We are starting to get going on that. I also want to turn our attention to football, though, Kev, you know, because we're going to be talking a lot about the Atlanta Falcons in our number two. And so to kind of make it full circle here, you know, uh, Todd Gurley, uh, you know, went to the Atlanta Falcons uh, from the Los Angeles Rams. Remember, he still hasn't gotten his final paycheck from the Rams, and we've talked about that. But, you know, the Rams are interesting 
They drafted Daryl Henderson last year, who I saw him in Memphis. I thought he had game-breaking potential. They draft Cam Akers uh, this draft. You like him. You had him in your top 10 rookie running backs, right? And you know what my, my kind of thesis has been. You know, since the draft, the idea of the RBB three. Well, McVeigh comes out, you know, and says he likes all three of his backs, Malcolm Brown, Cam Akers and Henderson. This is my point, Kevin, right? Like when you have this now RBB three, what do you do if you are a fantasy manager in the draft? Like there's a legit argument that can be made that all three of these guys may be the lead dog in this pie. So. A, do you believe what McVeigh says? And B, again, my RBB3, how do you handle this in the backfield for Los Angeles? So I think it, to a degree, kind of comes down to how do you view Sean McVeigh? And I personally hold, I think he's, I think he's one of the better coaches in the league. I think he's forward thinking. Sure. And I think if he genuinely believed that this was going to be a 33-33-33 split, that that Cam Akers pick is then actually a like an atrocious pick. Right, right. It, it is. It is an same as like pick. Dallas getting uh, you know um, C.D. Lamb if that's the case. But but it's it's even worse because sure. wide receivers are more valuable. C.D. Lamb okay. is significantly it's like the Packers higher. getting A.J. Dillon. <laughs> sure. No, but but I think right. Like I mean, the C.D. Lamb pick on talent, people were like, a A.J. Right. Dillon is a disgrace of a pick. Sure, right. Sure. Cam Akers. A little bit better. But again, if this is 33-33-33, that's terrible. Now, I think that if I'm Sean McVay, coach speak, I say, look, love all three. All three are great. Because what benef- what, how does it benefit you in May to declare Cam Akers the starter? That, and to me, I just logically, you just watch what happened with Todd Gurley, and you saw that the idea of a franchise running back isn't the best move. You spent draft capital not that long ago in Daryl Henderson. You like Malcolm Brown. Your first pick, albeit a second rounder, cannot be on a running back. It was on a running back. Right. You must like a talent, and you must also not be that high on the talent that was already in the running back room. Yeah, so, you know, I do think this is interesting, but remember, this has been kind of my thesis, right? That, you know, figuring out the division of carries, how the pizza pie will be sliced, is going to be a big chore in most uh, NFL rosters. Now, I found something that could be an intriguing clue in helping us with that, Kevin. And it's a reason why the Rams' backfield is a hard one to figure out. Because the incumbent, Todd Gurley, is gone. Okay, and Todd Gurley, for the Rams, represented 234 carries last year, Kevin. Represented 58% of the carries last year. Okay, so now you have these guys, you get another piece of the puzzle added... But almost 60% of it is gone, right? So that's where it's like, oh, we don't know how to figure it out. And you're seeing some of the stats here on the screen. What we did, um, shout out to, I believe it was Roto World, did this. Every team and how many and what percentage of their carries are gone from last year. And that's what kind of further clouds the picture when you're trying to figure out how the division of labor and what the committee is going to look like. For example, like on the other side of things, at the very, very bottom, Mm. the Cleveland Browns had zero of their touches gone from last year. They still have Chubb. They still have Hunt. You know what I mean? So that is going to be a running back committee picture that I already have insight on. I know what it might look like because I know what it looked like last year, right? Mm. When I look at, say, the Rams, who have 58% of their touches gone, right, and I don't know how the picture is going to be, how the committee is going to be, that speaks more of a fantasy herd to me, more of one that I can't tell you. Will it be Brown? Will it be Henderson? Will it be Akers? They like them all. And that is more of a situation, Kevin, where I'm going to try to avoid all three because it's going to be this herd, and I'm not going to know on any given week which one is going to pop off. Yeah, and I, I think one of the things that, that you say often that's really, really great fantasy advice, but I don't think applies here, and I think yeah. that's why you haven't said it, is the idea of give me whichever one goes off the board that's last. Right. I don't need Malcolm Brown. That's because right. Because there's not going to be three viable running backs that's right. from this specific room. So that is, I, I totally think it's exactly. really, really fascinating. It's in fact the reverse, right? Because uh, let's put it this way. In, in years past, 
Kevin, when there were three Rams wide receivers, I would say, yes, give me the lowest. And a lot of times it was Cooper Cup, and I was very happy to take him around later than, you know, Cooks or Woods, okay? But you're absolutely right. In this situation, it's, you know, the pie itself is smaller, okay? The amount of carries a team has or rushing attempts is about half the amount of passing attempts they have, okay? So the fact that there is three almost depresses the value for all of them, puts all of them, like, below the line of something I'd be interested in. I think you're absolutely right, Kev. And I think then the question becomes, right, so I guess RB36 would be the cutoff point of, like, a trustworthy flex play. And what is kind of the baseline number of carries across a season that you need to see from that position to say one of these guys are going to be fantasy viable? 230-some-odd carries you mentioned Gurley leaving. Like, if I split that down the middle, I don't think 115 and 115, let's just go Henderson and Akers. Pretty much then, nobody's, nobody's, they're all not viable, right? So it's one of those things, like, I think you're really going to be playing uh, an interesting game when it comes to drafting these guys, because it's not like, okay, I think he gives me this, I think he gives me this. I think there's going to be a clear winner. It's it's Mm -hmm. getting the right one. Right. And that's where you're in with the Rams with there's three. If you look about that graphic, right, we have here each team and kind of the percentage of unaccounted for carries kind of need to be sucked up by somebody, right? And this is another tea leaf to read, Kevin. So if I look at the very, very top of the list here, you have the Houston Texans, okay, who have lost 254 carries, 58, 59%, including over 40% of their carries from inside the five-yard line, which is very interesting also. Um, This is mostly Carlos Hyde, right, who is gone from Houston. We know is there in Seattle. They still have a Duke Johnson, blah, 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 but they brought in David Johnson. And David Johnson was in a situation where he was splitting the pie with Edmonds. Drake came in, right? Now he's in a position where there's 230-some-odd carries up for grabs, and he was traded for. This makes me think uh, that I could want David Johnson on my roster. He's going to be the one soaking up, you know, kind of out of all these moving running backs. He may be the one soaking up a ton of production. So one exercise I like to do as I get closer to drafts is I try and compile a list of guys that have top five potential at their position. Right. Right. So the list should, in essence, then maybe be 10 long. people long, yeah. give or take, right? David Johnson has top five running back potential this year. He's been number one overall a few years ago. Like, the, as much as that whole trade is laughable and Bill O'Brien getting ripped for it is what he deserves, David Johnson still, to me, has tons of talent. And David Johnson is walking in to an immense opportunity. We've talked about... That's what we're speaking to here, right? right. The opportunity. And, and, and his opportunity is is so great because one we've talked about the value of playing next to an athletic quarterback like Deshaun Watson that's one two listen to all the work that's being left there just from a pure carries perspective inside the five but also notice how we don't talk about oh well okay this guy's gonna be the pass catching back because that's David Johnson right David Johnson right Johnson also is good out of the backfield there he is but they should let it be David Johnson. Because right. remember when David Johnson was like going for the thousand thousand, mm-hmm. um, like like all that ridiculousness that David yeah. Johnson was able to bring. And the thing about the thing about both the DJs and this like Duke and David Johnson is they can both be maybe the best underneath wide receivers that this team has to offer because the other three are just going to run nines all day. Right. So there's a lot of value to be had there, I think, on David Johnson. Plus, there's also something to be said about coaches trying to prove that they were right True. and him trying to make Bill O'Brien has a vested interest in David Johnson looking good in 2020. I think you're right. Uh, so this could be a boon for David Johnson. I'm intrigued by a couple of other teams near the top of this list, Kevin. For example... My Chargers are on this list, losing 52% of their carries. A lot of that is Melvin Gordon, right? And here's the other one. They lead the league. Two-thirds of their carries from inside the five are gone. 
And that's Melvin Gordon. So when I think about an Austin Eckler soaking up some of that, remember, that's also part of the reason I had the kid Kelly out of UCLA in part of my top 10 running back rookies. Making up some of that Melvin Gordon load is part of it. When we come back on the other side of the break, we look more into these stats, see who it helps and who it hurts. We do that to give you the edge right here on SportsGrid. Come on back. More of the early line after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, everybody, welcome back into the early line here on The Grid, giving you the edge. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. And what we were looking at, Kevin, was the idea of, you know, as there's player movement from year to year, you know, I always call about it like the piece of the pie, right? Well, there are some teams that had a big chunk of their rushing pie gone. We talked about it. Houston, the Rams, we mentioned the Chargers a little bit. And all it is is giving you a little bit of an inkling that the the people that are there now they can absorb some more production, right? And I think Austin Eckler is a great case because Gordon is gone in in Los Angeles, right? And not only is that 52% of the carries, but that's two-thirds of the work inside the five. So maybe Austin Eckler, who was, by the way, great receiving touchdowns last year, might get a boom in his rushing touchdowns. Or are you looking at maybe a guy like Justin Jackson or the rookie Kelly to soak up some of that load? I mean, if, if I'm not mistaken, Austin Eckler last year finished as a top five back. He was. And I don't, top, yeah. I don't think Eckler right now ADP-wise is going as a top five back. And I think when He's Melvin... Right there, though. Not top five. No, right. but Eckler is RB9 off the boards right now. Right. But if I'm not mistaken, was he RB1? Maybe two with McCaffrey those weeks that Melvin wasn't yeah. there. Before Melvin Gordon got there, he was definitively a top five running back. I know because I had him on a bunch of rosters. Right. So, like, that's kind of my thing with Eckler. Like, the f- I understand the idea, right, that whether it be Kelly or Jackson, someone is going to come in and get some work. I agree. But I, I think we would be wrong to label Eckler as, like, a pass-catching-only back. He will lead this team in carries. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And also, I do think Tyrod is going to run a bit more with Anthony Lynn finally getting a running quarterback. And there's a give and take with that. Good point. But again, we've taught for me, I think Mark Ingram really proved it. A running quarterback is a good thing for a running back at times because of the different angles it can create for you. I'm expecting Eckler to probably be with health a top five back. All right, you're very high on Austin Eckler. We look at some of these other places, right? We talked about the Houston Texans, Texans, what that means for David Johnson, the Chargers, what that means for Austin Eckler. We talked about the Rams committee. Another guy, I got to tell you, who I think this is good news for, Kevin, is someone we talked about yesterday, Ronald Jones, okay? Because mm-hmm. Ronald Jones, think about it. Here are the Bucks up on this list who have lost fi- over 52% of their carries in the form of Peyton Barber, who's kind of just a guy, right? And then we talked about it. You know, Keyshawn Vaughn comes in. We think he's going to be a PPR kind of back. And then the Bucks also lost half of their carries and production inside the five-yard line. Ross, uh, Ronald Jones is built for this. I think when you add it all up, these are more inklings to that Ronald Jones may be more viable, more valuable as a fantasy running back this year. Yeah, I think the idea that Ronald Jones is going behind Keyshawn Vaughn makes him such a very obvious value play when it comes to fantasy football. I do think there's a world where um, him and Vaughn trade benching because of fumbles and Bruce Arians having a quick trigger finger. The lukewarm hand. Right. Like, it wouldn't wholly shock me to see them add a third back, which then makes this a miserable scene for fantasy owners. Miller, Devontae Freeman, where you at? But also just to see where Rojo is going, like you're not even remotely approaching paying for a guy's ceiling. I don't even know if you're paying for his floor with where he's going. You know, he's going to be a guy that I might target later on. He might be a guy that I stick in the back of my mind come auctions, you know. um, But here's an interesting point also, Kevin. You know, looking at this also works in the reverse, right? Looking at teams who did not lose anything. So for example, we talked about the Green Bay Packers and how the A.J. Dillon pick was weird. This graphic is a testament to that. The Packers only lost 
1.9% of their carries last year. Okay, and right. to be honest, I don't even know who that was because it ain't Aaron Jones, it ain't Jamal <laughs> Williams. Is it like Geronimo Allison on end arounds? I'm not positive, right? None of their goal line work is gone. And so to the point, they added A.J. Dillon to an established committee mm-hmm. and even more that his uh, inclusion, you know, pushes it down for all. I would say the same thing in like Indianapolis, although not to that extent, right? They've only lost 12% of their carries. Again, I don't know who it is, right? Because Marlon Mack is still there. Naheem Hines is still there. Wilkins, maybe, you know? And also only one carry inside the five. Yet Jonathan Taylor comes on in. To me, that's testimony that on some level, that's going to decrease the potential of the existing backs in that committee. So for me, it's very interesting, not only on the teams where... We've mentioned like Houston, the Rams, the Chargers, the Bucks, uh, the Bills are another one that I think are very interesting. Um, on the flip side, there's mm. no pieces of the pie to grab. So what does that mean for these running backs who are inserted into the committee? It's it's really fascinating this bottom of the list, right? Yeah. Like J.K. Dobbins to me now is Gus Edwards as a floor, which is still I think has some right. value to it. And okay, that's easy to figure out, right? Taylor comes in, and we've talked about this option one, option 1A, and option 1B, if you throw Hines in there. It just shows – I think the biggest thing to me, again, is why I don't want Taylor, is I just think that him and Mac are going to get this really awkward 50-50 for a lot of it. Where A.J. Dillon comes in, to me, is like if you draft Aaron Jones, I'm assuming he's going as as an RB1. A lot of people like to handcuff their RB1s. For safety, he's a back end guard one. Yeah, I don't know who my handcuff is. Exactly. Like you would think Jamal Williams, but where they drafted AJ Dillon, you'd think maybe it's AJ Dillon. Right. It, like, it just complicates it, right? It's just a situation that I like. To me, AJ Dillon, you know, probably goes undrafted. I would just, like if you were drafting today. Does AJ Dillon go undrafted? In a You're redraft so league, yes. In a yeah. dynasty league, maybe I take no, him because they did draft him. So yeah. they've got to think that either Jones or William is gone right. in the next couple of years. So in a dynasty, yes, I'd still draft him. But redraft, no. Also, I think that this too, right, for some of the, like the, the teams at the bottom, right, it's really fascinating to say, okay, you lost only this amount of your carries and thought necessary right. to add a back yeah. with, a the with a considerable draft uh, yeah. capital. Like, that's why there were people who didn't like the Dobbins pick. And that's why there were people who didn't like the Taylor pick. Unanimously, people didn't like this A.J. Dillon pick. And it is easy to understand why. Because as good as the Baltimore Ravens were, and I think they do have the ability to make a luxury pick in a J.K. Dobbins, also, do you ever have the room to make a luxury pick in the NFL, right? And you think could maybe say the same thing when it comes to Jonathan Taylor. Again, the difference with the Taylor and the Dobbins picks can be, we don't know how much left is Ingram. Marlon Mack is probably a free agent next year. Same applies with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in Kansas City. Aaron Jones should probably stay in Green Bay. I mean, it is just so unfortunate every time we have to talk about Green Bay. It's like, yeah. I hate, you know, having fan bases have to listen to the negativity <laughs> that they've earned. Like, oh, but I can't say anything positive about that damn pick. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. I want to, uh, two other teams that I think are interesting at the top. One, and to mm-hmm. bring it full circle, you know, we started talking about this with the Rams, how they liked all their backs, you know, because Todd Gurley represents that, like, you know, 58% of the pie that's gone, right? Well, his new home, the Atlanta Falcons, they've got 52% gone in the people of Devontae Freeman now gone. You know, Edo Smith's still there. But remember, they even had guys like Hill and others. So it seems to me that Gurley goes into a situation where he can, you know, pick right back up as something of a bell cow back in Atlanta. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that's the really... The, the issue with Gurley is, can we... It's almost this weird thing where I, I hate that he has this chance to be a bell cow. Right. Because of this this health thing. Like, he's actually someone that I tried to, to grab a lot. I'm like, man, we are way too low on this dude that was, like, MVP. Right. Like, I think that this is, like, some crazy value. He had his games. He didn't have his games. I Is the Atlanta offense better than the Rams? I don't know. Is it worse? Probably. Definitely not. The offensive line's probably a step, a step up. So, yeah, it's, it's comparable at the minimum. If Gurley is, is healthy, I mean, he's home. I don't 
don't know, man. Like, there's a world where we're talking about Todd Gurley, not only back in that RB one range. Like, all right, so I so I'll, I'll pin it back to you. Could Todd Gurley make your list of guys with top five RB potential, or is he still outside that back group? I don't think he'll get enough touches to do so. Right. Yeah, I don't think he'll get enough touches to do so. But I do think the fact that he goes home to Atlanta and you know there's a piece of the pie to be had is very uh, is an important factor to think about when you're looking at Gurley, whether it's in his prop market or in the fantasy football market. The last team I'll mention here is the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills lost only a third, roughly, of their carries in the person of Frank Gore. Remember, Singletary ascended, but. Yeah. 61% of their carries inside the five are now gone because of Frank Gore. So when I look at Zach Moss, who may take on some of that role, he could be the kind of vulture or even the good side of a timeshare mm -hmm. to have. I think that is very interesting. I want to close off hour number one here, Kev. You know, we had Memorial Day recently, you know, the unofficial start of summer. So it makes me start thinking about what do I do in the summer and going into the fall. And it gets me really, I'm starting to think not only about baseball season and barbecues, but I, that's because I'm like, this is the kind of crazy guy I am about fantasy football drafts. And I was got, I, I received an email um, yesterday that was such a testament to that. I got my invitation to the Scotty Fishbowl League. It's Scott Fishbowl 10. And by the way, I don't know if you've ever, if you know about this, people out there know about this. This is a league where there's literally like 12, 13, hundred people in this league half are like quote-unquote industry experts like myself half are quote-unquote fans and they're competing against each other it's an amazing league shout out to scott fish and there's no entry fee it's by invite only there's some quirky rules in it the draft happens starting on like the july 4th holiday and uh Everyone who's in it pretty much, you know, donates to charity, promotes fantasy football. It's really a beautiful thing. Scott Fish 10 is on and popping. I got my invite. You see the email there up mm -hmm. on the screen that I was excited to see in my inbox. I know you have experience with this league yeah. as well. It signals to me, oh, boy, got to start thinking about these tiers and rankings. Yeah, it's one of those things. Like, it's very fun because, to me, like, it's also a great thing kind of to have as, like, a jumping off point for a lot of my drafts. Like, for me... I'm playing in, in home leagues for, yeah, you know, sure. for pretty for much. Ball. So to get to kind of balance it out, even though I know that, you know, Scott Bushbolt always has some interesting rules that shake up things. Really um, but it's cool to get to, to compare, you know, certain things next to experts. I've actually, I've, I've been in it twice. Once as an expert, one as a fan. Okay. Um, I think I am, I think I'm, I'm comfortable calling myself more of a fan. Although I, you know, I have my points when it comes down to certain things. Um, but the league is a lot of fun, man. It's yeah. very, very unique. And the idea, I mean, I remember the first time I was ever introduced to this league. I was way back, Roto Experts intern, watching, like, Frank Stample make his picks. And yeah. he's talking about, like, how, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, there's 35 rounds. I'm like, I don't know what you're saying. None of this right. is making any but i was also like new dane so i like i was like i don't want to ask I don't it's crazy i mean like you have the slow draft was an interesting component you mentioned yeah. the idea of, like tight ends get one and a half points per reception weighting the tight end a little heavier they even have like return yards in this one so that's what i say rule number one know your settings but i'm excited to get back into the slow draft of scotty fish hour number one in the books when we come back hour number two boy do we shine a light on the atlanta falcons not only us we've got a guest to talk about them as well come on back if you want to know about the dirty birds that's what we're doing up next in hour number two it's the early line on sports Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.